This is HPR episode 1841 entitled, My Way Into Linux, and is part of the series, How I Found Linux. It is hosted by first-time host Foki, and is about 10 minutes long. The summary is, from punch cards to Manjaro. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. How I got into Linux. Table of contents. 1 preface to early times 3 Commodore and Atari 4 Macintosh 5 Debian and beyond. 1 preface. Hi, I'm Foki. English isn't my mother tongue, so forgive the hurts I'm doing to the language. As this is my first distribution to the HPR I will take up the fine tradition to do a more or less short talk about my way into and with Linux. And furthermore I'm taking the opportunity to test how well Eastpeak is doing replacing my voice with its heavy German accent. Too early times. I was born and raised up in eastern Germany. All my contacts to the computerized world until 1989 are a little bit behind what you would have had in the western world. My first contact to bits and bytes was a visit to the so-called partner brigade of my school class sometimes in the middle of the 1980s that happened to be the IT department of our biggest local industry fabric. There we saw big big things all along the wall and in the middle of the room a tiny black white monitor and another big thing that was handling some kind of cards sliding from one end of this big thing to the other and on the way. You guessed right. They were still working with punch cards to store one month's wage for an employee on. But we didn't know that this was out-of-time technology, and I thought that is cool. We could type in our names on the keyboard on the board with the monitor, and magically there came a card with holes on some positions, and our name written in plain text on the head of the card out of the thing in the middle of the room, and I learned about the coding in zeros and ones that the holes are representing. But I couldn't live out this fascination more than to have fun writing down zeros and ones representing numbers, and charge in some kind of ASCII I suppose. Three Commodore and Atari. The next time I touched a computer were when a friend having relatives in Western Germany got a Commodore 64. It was astonishing. A real-life computer not even the size of the keyboard I've seen in the earlier described visit to our partner brigade, connected to a TV set in the house of an everyday teenager. I spent hours and hours with this friend and his miracle device. Mostly we played games, but also had fun programming nonsense in basic. You know, the usual 10 print something 20 go to 10 and some base level sprite moving to. After the fall of the wall my parents gave me the greatest present ever until then. They brought a Commodore 128 from a first visit to friends on the other side. I nearly choked my father with my delight hugs. Now I done all the fun things I did before with my friend by myself, and only a short time after some of my classmates got their Commodores too, and we could skip discs. But again we nearly only played games. One day shortly after I attended gymnasium, the German secondary school, an older cousin being a math teacher wondered why I'm still using such a play toy instead of a real computer and gave me an outdated Atari Mega ST. 
Today you would laugh about this kind of distinction between those two, but in this times I saw it this way too. I began to use my Atari for the more usual use cases of a computer in a home. I wrote essays for school on it to the bewildering of my language teachers still unused to printed texts from pupils. I began building a database on my musical collection, and of course I also played on this. And I began to program a little bit again. I tried to write a program to calculate tables of the different soccer leagues for a friend owning an Atari 2 and interested in such sports. The result was unsatisfying, but I enjoyed the process though. For Macintosh. In 1993 I began university studies and succeeded to convince my parents that I need a new computer as working tool. But I didn't want a Wintel computer because all I've seen of those by this time were disgusting to me. I attended a computer course under one year in secondary school using a Macintosh Classic. And that was what I wanted. So I bought an Apple Macintosh Performer 450, was proud a short time, and then upset because only two weeks after the newer 475 was released to nearly the same price. That was the first time I experienced this short time cycle of computer releases we are used to today. I soon learned my lesson. It's no use to look at the market the next weeks when you just bought hardware. You always will find you bought the wrong time. Now I was satisfied for years. I was an Apple user by heart. Mac OS was my operating system by choice. I laughed about all those dumb MSDOS and Windows users having hard times when I just used my devices. Yes, I had problems because there was so much in hard and software that was incompatible to my beloved Macs, but I could live with that. You know by then Macintoshes were still niche products. I liked the system that was serving me instead of me serving it. In the end of the 1990s a friend of mine from the time of Commodia and Atari that got my old C128 for more use than I did of it, he really programmed on it in assembler code, now having an Acon computer, does anyone remember those, tried installing some strong thing called Linux. He spent nights to compile, and I only shook my head not understanding what use all the running text lines should have. I thought this shows only, once more what kind of lovely strange nerd he was, but he didn't stay the only one. A friend too, and then another one began to look at this Linux. But not me. I had my Mac OS, built to serve me, not me too, you know the phrase. Then came the time when I needed to write long texts with an happy mixture of Latin, Greek and Hebrew words. It was hard to do this in the usual word processor I was using, and it was annoying to get all such things as footnotes, bibliography, indices and table of contents to work properly. And one of those friends recommended LatiX to do this. He gave me a short introduction, and I was impressed by the might of the source. I installed some LatiX distribution on my iMac I owned back then, don't remember which. The first text I wrote this way looked good and I switched to writing all printout texts in LatiX soon, even letters to friends and family. Anyone using LatiX knows about the learning curve, and I often visited this friend driving problems out of the way. On this occasion I saw how he could work much more effective in the shell than I on my so beloved mouse-driven system. So I became more and more slash new gearig slash to try this myself. One day he took the occasion and talked about something called dual boot and that he wanted to test Linux on PowerPC2 because he used the usual x86. 5 Debian and beyond. So on a spring evening of 2001 we packed my iMac in a car and drove to our faculty where another friend who was doctorant lent over his working room so that we could download all the software we needed directly to my computer. That night my iMac became a Debian machine and I never looked back. First the process was a pain in the ass. The Macintosh keyboard lacked some keys we needed, so I bought an extra keyboard with all we needed. The Lilo setup was a mystery we solved by reading manuals and FAQ on the other machine we had at hand. 
Also, the graphical and audio setup was all but easy. But now I wanted it done not to stop. When the sun went up again, literally, we had succeeded and went to bed, tired but lucky. The following time I used my Debian partition for testing and writing Latex texts and otherwise macOS with all the programs installed there. But that shifted soon to all in Debian GNU slash Linux and only games under macOS. By the way, we talk macOS 9 and Debian Potato or Woody by this time, as far as I remember it. First I learned more and more to use the shell and then about the philosophy driving the GNU project. The moment I understood the floss concept, I wanted to move over to the free world by heart, more than I ever was a Mac user by heart. Some years later after getting my exams but didn't get any employment I switched path and took a course in programming in another town and needed something more handy than my iMac. So I bought a Dell Inspire with Windows XP pre-installed. I didn't delete this crapware because some part of the course handled with it and I wanted to have something if I should get something like home lectures. But otherwise it was GNU and Linux I wanted to use. First I thought about installing Debian on this machine too, but remembering the problems we had 2001 I decided to test the new kid on the block called Ubuntu. At least it was derived from Debian. To my surprise all worked from the start. I was sold and became a devotee. That lasted until Unity and some other signs that Canonical no longer listened to the users. This way I got a distro and desktop environment hopper. First I thought Ubuntu or Kubuntu could be the compromise, but once being in the mood for testing and exploring I looked around a little bit more, and over the time of some years I used Debian again, Sparky, Genius Inset, Mint and Bodhi. Someday all the talk about Arch on nearly every tech podcast I was listening to got me to see over the fence of the Debian derivates, and I gave it a chance. But I must admit Arch by itself was a little bit too much for me. Being our family favor I hadn't the time and patience to go so deep into installing and configuring. I searched for a compromise. The first attempt was Archbang on an old IBM dated 2004. That worked quite well as a game machine for my eldest son. But for my everyday laptop I wanted something a little bit more and just in time came a little hype over Manjaro Linux. I installed it as third boot option in addition to Mint and Bodhi. And now I've been using it for at least two years. It suits me exactly. You get a good compromise between stable and fresh software, and being part of the Arch family you can use the AUR to get nearly all there is. I think it's time to round up. I hope you didn't get too bored about my distro hopping. Otherwise you could get something similar about my desktop environment hopping. Just joking. Have a good time, and as a known HPR veteran would say, don't forget to support free software. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HPR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.